Welcome to yet another episode of Game of Thrones Abridged on Alt Swift X. Today we are reading another chapter all about the beginnings of transformation and growth and becoming stronger and more independent. That's what this chapter is about. It is the chapter Daenerys 3, A Game of Thrones. We're with Danny T. Khaleesi in the Great Grass Sea. Uh, of 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 the Dothraki. Uh, we're in the Dothraki Sea. The Dothraki are crossing that great grass plain. Uh, it is it is funny later in the series when um when Victarion Greyjoy is all like the Dothraki Sea. I will sail across it, and he says that, not knowing that the Dothraki Sea is made of grass. It's a cool landscape. You don't often hear about these sorts of landscapes in fantasy and fiction, I think. These long, empty expanses of grass. You know, I mean, the sort of... I mean, I mean, when George Lucas makes a planet, he goes, hmm, I'll make an ice planet and a fire planet and a, and a, probably a sort of a, sort of a green uh, avatar-esque jungle planet, but it's never a grass planet, is it? That doesn't fit within the sort of Aristotelian schema of these are the things and here's the... We, we shouldn't begin with a tangent, should we? This is Daenerys III, A Game of Thrones, and it begins with Jorah Mormont talking about the Dothraki Sea. He talks about uh, all, the different, all the different flowers that exist in the Dothraki Sea. Uh, there's green grasses and yellow grasses and flowers and, and, and grasses like rainbows, and he describes the Shadowlands beyond a shy Khaleesi, uh, the, where there are oceans of... Ghost grass, grass that is taller than a person on horseback, grass that's pale, grass that glows in the dark with the spirits of the damned, which sounds creepy. The Dothraki believe that their sort of apocalypse scenario, every culture's got to have their own special apocalypse scenario, and the Dothraki believe that the ghost grass will grow and claim and sweep over everywhere and kill all the other grasses until only ghost grass exists, and then that will be the end of the world, because nothing can eat or survive in ghost grass, apparently. And Danny says, Oh, but it's so beautiful here. I don't want to think about everything dying. So that so there I think we see a certain like like sort of girlish naive side to Danny where she's like, I don't want to think about danger, I only want to think about pretty things. I mean that I mean that sounds like Sansa, right? Sansa is all about the pretty things and ignoring the spoopy things. Uh so 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 we sort of begin with naivety here, but as this chapter progresses we see Danny becoming more of a woman and more empowered and more ready to face certain realities, perhaps. Or at least that's something that comes later in Iraq. Um and yeah, Jorah's like, yep, whatever you say, Khaleesi. Um, anyway, uh, so the Dothraki are described. Uh, the Dothraki on their horses are as fluid as centaurs, which is a nice description of a horse rider. Uh, but Viserys, uh, Daenerys's brother, is struggling. He's miserable. He shouldn't have come. He should have stayed back in Illyrio Mepatis's manse, where he could have lived in luxury. Uh, but of course, he insists on coming along with the Dothraki until he gets the crown he was promised. Because of course, Viserys's skin in the game, his his what he wants out of all this is to be crowned king of Westeros. The deal was that Khal Drogo gets to marry Daenerys Targaryen, and in return, the Dothraki will conquer Westeros with their army. You gotta wonder, did did Drogo ever really 
intend on keeping that promise. Because, like, there is a moment later on in this book where Drogo does become, like, yep, determined to take over Westeros. He seemed in no rush before, though. Uh, and, of course, you've also got to ask, well, what what is Illy- what is Magister Illyrio's intention with all this? Because supposedly Illyrio is, is sincerely supporting Viserys becoming king, but we know from later on that it seems more likely that the Viserys thing was actually, like, a distraction to get his actual man, Aegon Targaryen, young Griff, onto the throne. And there's this whole, all this complex conspiratorial shit going on in the background that we know nothing about at this point in the story. Um, but still, you've got to wonder, I mean, like, what if, what if, instead of Viserys coming along with the Dothraki and, spoiler, getting killed with that crown of gold, that molten metal, what if Viserys stayed at Illyrio's manse, like he was encouraged to do? Like, if, if, if Viserys didn't die would he have... I mean, what would have happened to him? I mean, presumably the Dothraki never would have come to support him and carry him to Westeros, right? Uh, And yet, what would have happened to him? Like, would Magister Illyrio have killed him? Probably not, because he still wants... Supposedly, Magister Illyrio wants Viserys to be supported by the Dothraki. How does Illyrio suppose that's going to happen? you got to wonder if George Martin's plan at this point in the story is is not so far advanced as it is in dance, or something. Uh, who knows? But uh, Tangent, that was one of them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so Viserys is miserable out in the Dothraki, uh, and he's going with his usual ridiculous hubristic speeches about how strong and draconic he is. Um, <laughs> Viserys vows to kill Drogo himself if Drogo betrays him on his deal, um, and D- Danny remembers Illyrio blinking at that and wishing him good fortune, <laughs> which is a nice sort of diplomatic move. They mention a hunting hawk circling above, and you, uh, where w- I mean, in the Dothraki Sea, there are no trees. Where does a hawk sleep? Does a hawk sleep on the ground in a landscape where there's only grass? It, do, do birds sleep on the ground? That that doesn't seem comfortable or safe. I wouldn't know. Anyway, um, so Danny decides. Actually, you know what? I want to have a bit of a, a bit of a frolic in the grass. Uh, so she stops the entire column of Dothraki who are marching, who are who are going on through the plains. She commands them all to stop, and she goes to frolic in the grass. Uh, and and Jorah's like, "Oh, look at you, fucking passing commands around like hotcakes, aren't you some top shit?" And Danny's like, "Yeah, bitch, I'm Khaleesi." Mm. So she's fucking enjoying her authority and power for once. Um, and because c- yeah, Jorah's like, "Oh, you're a queen," and and Danny's like, "I'm not a queen. I'm a Khaleesi." Uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, D- Danny like, rides off to the grass, and she's really enjoying riding her horse, the silver, the, the, the silver white horse uh, that was gifted to her by Drogo on her wedding day. Uh, and she's talking about how she's really starting to enjoy this whole horse riding thing. Um, but, she says, it had not come easy. She talks about how awful it was at first doing all this riding. She had all these saddle sores on her bum, and, she, and her thighs were chafed, and her hands were blistered, and her whole body was terribly sore from riding all day and all night when her body was unused to it um and 
and Drogo mostly sort of ignored her. He off went and did like the manly Dothraki thing, whereas Khaleesi was sort of left uh, to the handmaidens and stuff, and she would cry herself to sleep. But then she'd get woken up in the night when Drogo decides he wants to fuck her. Uh, and this is not the most sort of consensual or sort of mutually pleasurable sex. This is Drogo just sort of using her uh, doggy style, speci- well, horsey style maybe. Uh, and it's a terrible time for Danny. So this is what this is what her life is for some days, weeks, some amount of time. Um, she's she's riding the horse, and that hurts. And then she's ridden by Drogo, and that hurts. So she's suffering for a period of time, uh, and she. She says she can, and, and for a while she thinks she cannot endure it any longer. She thinks of killing herself rather than going on. Uh, but then one night, she has a dragon dream. She dreams of the dragon, the black-scaled dragon who represents Drogo, uh, Drogon, soon to be born. And there's all this fire, and there's all this blood, and it's calling to her, and she embraces the fire, and she wakes up feeling strong and new and fierce. Which, you know, I, d- I don't think that's what they write in the psych textbooks in terms of uh, uh, recovering from uh, depression and suicidal ideation. I think the... Uh, prognosis, the diagnosis is rarely uh, dragon dreams, but hey, this is fantasy. If you can't cure it with some Prozac, cure it with a dream about a dragon. So, but the, <laughs> the point though is that Danny starts to adapt to a new environment and she changes her behavior and her personality and she becomes stronger through this fucking trial of suffering that she's experiencing. Um, she reaches out and she touches her dragon eggs, which were gifted to her by Illyrio, and she fe- and they feel strangely warm beneath her fingers. And of course, one of the eggs is coloured black and scarlet. For some reason, the dragon eggs uh, are coloured the colour of the scales of the dragons within, which uh, doesn't seem entirely biologically, zoologically sound, but apparently that's how dragon eggs work. Um, but anyway, but the point is that there's like foreshadowing that the eggs are somehow still alive. There's a heat, there's a power within the eggs, within Danny that is yet to be awoken. Uh, so she talks about getting how her body gets stronger and tougher, her skin gets tougher from all the riding and stuff, uh, and she gets better at riding a horse, it, uh, her silver. It's, it is as if they shared a single mind, Danny and the silver, um, which almost sounds like the sort of warging and skin changing, that stuff that like Bran Stark does, which is interesting, uh, but there's no particular evidence that Danny is a warg, a skin changer, uh, and she begins to love riding, um, and she begins to notice the beauties of the land around her, uh, about how beautiful the Dothraki Sea is, um, and we have this sort of montage uh, of the Dothraki going through all these different environments. Uh, so they talk about these waterfalls and these forests and these small settlements and these roads and these canopies and these different places they go to. Uh, and interestingly, like one of the interesting things about the, the la- this landscape and the landscape of Game of Thrones, the world of Game of Thrones generally, is that there are a lot of dead cities. There are a lot of ruins. There are a lot of fallen civilizations. Game of Thrones does feel, when you delve into the backstory and the lore a bit, it feels kind of post-apocalyptic, because there are many civilizations that have collapsed. Uh, Some, perhaps, due to the White Walkers, or to other catastrophes. We don't really know. There's a lot of mystery going on here. Um, Some 
some people in the fandom might theorize certain sci-fi explanations for this post-apocalyptic feel, uh, which is interesting. But regardless, it certainly is intriguing that there are all these broken, dead cities. Um, yeah. Uh, and eventually, Danny's agony is just a fading memory. Uh, so she's getting used to the whole writing thing, and indeed she's getting used to the whole being ridden thing. She begins to find pleasure even in her nights with Drogo. Uh, which, you know, you can make all sorts of uh, notes about how it's a bit sort of problematic that they're just sort of saying that, you know, the sort of response to being raped every night is to just sort of get used to it, mate. Uh, so that's its own, that's a thing. But we do actually talk, it, it develops further, so we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Uh, but anyway, in the here and the now, she's she, she's gone off for a frolic. She's gone into the grasses in the Dothraki Sea, uh, and she's enjoying the landscape, and she's just hanging out there, um, and she feels blessedly alone. She's away from her brother. Viserys has been an unwelcome shadow. He's always been so bloody angry and pissy, and he runs up to her now while she's alone in the grass, and fucking screams at her. And so Viserys is furious now, um... Because he feels slighted by Danny commanding everyone to stop so that she can go frolic. Which, you know, does seem like a fairly selfish move, but whatever, she's Khaleesi. Uh, <laughs> and he's mad. Uh, and he sort of hits her, and he shakes her and screams at her. Um, and, and, he, and, and he calls attention to how she looks with her Dothraki clothes and her, and her oiled hair and her, doth, and her whole sort of Dothraki vibe. Um... Uh, so Viserys is angry about that, but I mean, Danny's sort of thinking, well, you know, I I look like I fit in, like I belong, like I've adapted to this environment. Whereas Viserys is wearing these like silks and these and this ring mail and this like city clothes and this like noble clothes, which is totally unsuited to where he is, and he's all stained and scabbed and un, un, unkempt. Um, but he's really mad. Um, he also grabs her boob for some reason. Uh, that seems to be Viserys's. Uh, sort of reflex, uh, but yeah, he does that, uh, and Danny thinks, you know what, uh, fuck this, fuck you, uh, and she pushes her brother off her, which she has never done before, she has never defied Viserys before, and so Viserys is as shocked by that as she is, uh, but he's also very fucking mad, uh, so he, he, he can, he, she can see in his eyes that he wants to fucking hurt her now, but, uh, the Dothraki, have turned up. Uh, one of one of uh, Drogo's blood riders, riders has turned up, and he and he fucking Indiana Jones whip cracks and puts puts the whip wrapped around Viserys's neck, uh, and and pacifies him that way. Uh, and and the blood rider Jogo is like, "Do you want me to kill Viserys? Is, is this guy causing any problems for you, Miss?" Um, and then he's like, "No, don't 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 kill him." Um, and so Viserys becomes totally at Danny's mercy for the first time ever, because all the Dothraki are here and they're all totally loyal to Danny, uh, and they're pretty willing to kill Viserys. Um, and looking at Viserys fucking writhing on the ground, uh, Viserys looks pitiful. Uh, he looks he looks like a weak, useless piece of shit. And Danny's like, "Hold on, he was always a weak, useless piece of shit. Why didn't I ever notice that before? He was." always a fucking worm um and and she, yeah i love this line there is a hollow place inside her 
where her fear had been. I love that line, because it not only expresses that Danny is no longer afraid and no longer feels weak, but that empty space, that's potential. That is a space where new feelings, new fire can burn, new new potentiality. It's those fucking pluripotent stem cells, man. Danny, is, Danny has room to grow now, and what she'll become is up to her. There's a lot of different ways this could go, but at this point, her fear is gone, and now there is room for new things to take root. Change. Character development. Hashtag literature. Uh, and so Danny's like, okay, don't kill him, but take his horse. Because in Dothraki culture, if you don't have a horse and you have to walk, that's like that means you are of like no status. You are not a man if you are not riding a horse. You are less than a man. You have no status. You have no honor, no pride. The lowest of the low. Uh, and and Viserys is furious at Danny, and he commands Jorah the only other Westerosi here, to hit Danny, hurt her, your king commands it. And Jorah looks at Viserys, and looks at Danny, and makes his choice, makes his decision, and he sides with Danny. And he says, nope, Viserys, you're walking, fuck you, I'm with the Khaleesi. Uh, so it's interesting, because uh, remember that Jorah, Jorah has, in, in some time period, been not entirely loyal to the Targaryens. Jorah has been spying on Daenerys, informing Varys at Westeros um, about her movements um, in, in, in the hopes of getting a pardon and being able to return to Westeros. Uh, so you've got to wonder, like, is Jorah sort of thinking about his loyalties at this point? Is he second-guessing whether he should continue to spy on Daenerys or whether he should side with her? We do know that Jorah still, after this point, continues to spy on Danny and is disloyal, uh, because of reasons, um, but we, but yeah, you gotta wonder, like, is Jorah's loyalty starting to shift at this point? Anyway, um, so, yeah, they're like, yep, fuck you, Viserys, they ride off and let him catch up on foot. Uh, so, that's like a huge weight off Danny's chest, to have fucking grown beyond her brother, at this point, to have finally, for the first time, defied him and won. So she's embracing new power as the Khaleesi of the Dothraki. Um, and while they leave, Jorah and Danny chat about Viserys. Um, and, and she is a little bit sort of afraid still. She's still sort of like, oh, you know, um, Viserys is going to be an angry fucking dragon now. And Jorah's like, mate, the dragons are dead. Viserys, he's not a dragon. The last dragon, the last Targaryen, was Rhaegar Targaryen, and he died at the Trident. Uh, compared to Rhaegar, Viserys is less than the shadow of a snake. Uh, and this shakes Danny to realise even further that, yeah, my brother is a piece of shit. Um, all the things that she had always believed were suddenly called into question. Um, and Danny's like, but you swore to serve Viserys. And Jorah's like, eh, but he's, he's shit, though. <laughs> Which is true, but also is a testament to Jorah having shit for honour. They always talk about how Jamie is the dishonourable one, but Jorah has broken laws and fleed justice and betrayed Danny and betrayed Viserys, and <laughs> Jorah does not have the best record in terms of keeping his promises. Um, but they talk about how Viserys would be a really shitty king, and Danny's like, oh, but, you know, Magister Illyrio says that lots of people want the Targaryens to come back. They're praying for Viserys to return. And Jorah has a great line, which is, the common people, they pray for rain, healthy children, and a never-ending summer. 
They don't care if the High Lords play their Game of Thrones, so long as they are left in peace. They never are. The common people are never left in peace. The Bloody Lords are always dragging them into their wars and their fucking conflict and their bullshit, which causes nothing but bloody suffering for the common folk. That's what Jorah says. But all they want is reins and healthy children. Uh, so... Danny asks Jorah, well, what do you pray for? And he says, home. His voice thick with longing. He wants to return to Westeros. So yeah, he does continue to spy for Varys. Uh, hoping to eventually get to return home. Um, and Danny says, I also pray for home. Um, and Jorah's like, well, look around you. This is your home now. You're the fucking Dothraki. This is the Dothraki grass sea. And so Danny has become sort of a part of the Dothraki in a lot of ways. She is becoming more comfortable as a Dothraki. But, but she thinks that the plains of the Dothraki don't feel like home to her. When she thinks of home, she thinks of King's Landing. She thinks of the Red Keep that Aegon the Conqueror built. She thinks of Dragonstone, um, where all the doors are red in her mind's eye. So she's sort of mixing her metaphors here. So in in a sense, Danny thinks Westeros is home. Uh, she was born on Dragonstone, but I don't know. The Westeros connection is mostly because, you know, her family, the Targaryens, her bloodline ruled that place. So that feels like home to her. But she also talks about the Red Door, that house with the Red Door in Braavos. Uh, where she was happy for a time in her childhood. She also thinks of that place as home. Um, and so there is, so along with the Dothraki Sea, there are sort of these three competing ideas of where Danny wants to be. Uh, and later on, we, of course, add Marine. So Danny is very much sort of divided uh, in her loyalties, in, in her identities. There are a lot of different sort of forces vying for her feeling of who she wants to be. There is a empty place in her heart where her fear had been, and there are a lot of different things that could come to fill it. Potentiality in Danny. Uh, and then Danny has another sort of revelation. She thinks, wow, not only is Viserys shit, but he he never is going to take over Westeros, is he? Uh, and Jorah's like, yeah, probably not, because he's shit. Um, and then Danny has another moment of sort of assertiveness, and she says, oh, I am no child, and she races off, and hashtag empowerment, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Viserys, everyone's going to laugh at him because he's going to be walking, he's a piece of shit. Um, Danny has a weird fucking hallucination flashback. She looks at her dragon eggs and she and she sees, like, fire. She sees a whole lot of red fire all over, uh, which is sort of uh, a foreshadowing flash-forward to uh, the pyre where her eggs will soon be born. Um, and... And Danny's like, oh, but the but the dragon eggs, they won't hatch. They're only stone. The dragons are all dead. Ooh. But of, when, of course, they will hatch soon. Uh, and uh, she is about to have a bath with her handmaidens, Eri and Jiqui and Doria, um, who do appear in the show, albeit briefly. Uh, well, no, some of them more than briefly, but anyway. Uh, and so they have a bit of a sort of a day spa sesh. Uh, they have this hot water, and they're all sort of grooming Daenerys. Uh, wouldn't it be great to have people whose full-time op- occupation is to groom you and to, like, bathe you? That would be comfortable. I mean, they're talking about all, like, the spice flour and cinnamon and all these. It sounds relaxing is all. Uh, and they're talking about dragons. So Danny's like, have you ever seen a dragon? And they're like, no, nah, the dragons are all dead, mate. Um, it is known, it is known. Uh, and they talk about the Shadowlands beyond Ashai again, and they talk about how the dragons came from there in the east, and they say, maybe there are dragons still alive in the Shadowlands beyond the east. 
there, there are a lot of mentions of the Shadowlands and Ashai, um, which is interesting. There, there is like a, a school of thought, because later on there, there is Quaith, the mysterious Quaith, who talks a lot about how to go forwards you must go back, to go west you must go east. And one interpretation of that prophecy is that Danny will have to literally go east uh, and go to Ashai and perhaps go east of Ashai to eventually wrap around and come to Westeros from the west. Um, and I think I sort of dismissed that idea in the Quaith video, but that's possibly unfair, because reading these early chapters, there are so many mentions of the Shadowlands and Ashai, which may well foreshadow Danny going to Ashai. I don't think that's George, George Martin's plan now, though, because there are no longer so many mentions of Ashai. I suspect that at this early point in the story, of the writing of the story, he did plan to send Danny to Ashai, but he later changed his mind. I suspect that Danny won't go to Ashai anymore, but who the fuck knows? Anyway, um, and they talk about this sort of cosmic fucking shit. They talk about how magic died in the West when the doom fell on Valyria, um, and so there's magic no longer in the West, but but apparently the East is different. In the East, there are spellsingers and warlocks and aeromancers and shadowbinders and blood mages, blah, blah, blah. So there's this exotic magical spoopery going on in the East. Um, and they talk about the, the Dothraki myth of where the dragons come from. Oh, well, a myth. Apparently the dragons came from the moon, which seems as good a theory as any. The theory is that there was once a second moon, and that second moon was actually an egg that had lots of dragons in it, and the dragons hatched out of the egg and, and, and stole some fire from the sun, and that's why dragons breathe fire. Um... And, but yeah, the Dothraki girls are like, no, nah, that's not fucking true. The moon is a god, and and it's it's the wife of the sun, and blah, blah, blah. So there are these sort of competing mythologies about what's what. Because, um, yeah, so Jiri and Iqui are Dothraki girls, uh, but Doria is a Lysene girl. She's from the city of Lys. Uh, Magister Illyrio had found her in a pleasure house, a brothel in Lys. Um, so Danny's all bathed up. She's all oiled and scraped and sprinkled and blah 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 um and food description fruit cheese bread blah 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 um and <laughs> and 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 Danny recruits a dancing master of her own of a sort so Danny out of her own initiative apparently decides to get Doria who worked in a brothel to teach Danny how to fuck uh, they don't say it in quite those words but that's basically what happens or at least that's what's implied um, so, uh, Daria, Daria apparently teaches Danny well, and then later that night, uh, Danny changes the terms of engagement <laughs> when she fucks Drogo. Uh, so, Drogo had previously every night just been sort of marching in, using Danny, and then walking out, but this time Danny asserts how she wants the lovemaking to go, and she... Uh, so she drags Drogo outside, well, she doesn't drag him, but she takes Drogo outside of the tent and decides to fuck with the open sky above them, because apparently the Dothraki believe that everything important in a man's life should happen under an open sky. And so, uh, instead of being just sort of fucked from behind, Danny, uh, Danny mounts Drogo the other way around, gets him to lie down, and rides him as fiercely as she had ever ridden her silver. Uh, and when Drogo comes, he calls out her name. Uh, and so they have this sort of mystical, wonderful lovemaking where Danny asserts control uh, and fucks the way she wants to fuck. Uh, and at the end of that, 
Uh, a while later, uh, Jiqui touches Danny's stomach and says, Shit, you're preggers, mate. And Danny says, Yeah, I know, mate. It was her 14th name day. And the chapter ends. <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, there's, there's certainly a lot to be said about how uncomfortable it is to have these scenes of sex, uh, unconsensual sex, between a 13-year-old girl and a barbarian horse lord warrior king. Uh, that's uh, uncomfortable. But hey, many, many real things are uncomfortable. So is all the killing and torture. Uh, so that's a thing. But the point of that chapter... The point of that chapter is that Danny is doing the same thing that Jon Snow is doing, the same thing that Aya is doing. They are being presented with a new situation, a new environment, new people, new challenges, and they're responding to that situation by growing stronger, by getting tougher and learning and becoming more adaptable and changing themselves, changing their characters to do better and to give themselves room to grow. So John is becoming less of an immature child and he's starting to sort of make sort of social concessions and, and learning how to get along with other people better and, and becoming more interested in honour and, 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 and training and strength. And Aya is letting go of her sort of childish wildness to some extent and is becoming more disciplined and is learning how to fight and is learning how to get along with Sansa better. And Danny, just like those two, is learning to... Uh, let go of some of her girlish naivety, let go of some of her preconceptions about the way the world was and the way Viserys is great, and she's she's being becoming disillusioned and she's adapting to a new culture, and she's also asserting her new power as Khaleesi, as one of the leaders of the Dothraki. She's learning to ride better, she's learning to appreciate the beauties of the Dothraki Sea, and she's also changing the dynamics in her relationship with Drogo to better suit her. She's asserting herself, and there's all this foreshadowing about the hatching of the dragons and the Targaryen flame that Danny will come to represent. So I'd say that's a pretty good chapter. Thank you for listening to this episode of Old Swift X. We will have more episodes soon. In the meantime, subscribe, comment, like, do all those things, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>